0: a special night again we are really celebrating the sending of Caroline Reinhardt. we prayed for her at the prayer meeting and uh, we began our meeting with just focusing on God's heart for her she'll be on a bus for a year or so and uh, going out ministering helping the defenseless You guys can talk to her more about that uh, if you would like to. And please, um, if you weren't here for prayer and you have something on your heart, a Bible verse for her, um, a prayer for her, any kind of encouragement, send her a voice text, send her a a text message, um, tell her in person. Just communicate it, what's on your heart. Um, We have the Queen of Kenya in the house. She's pretty much always in the house, but she's taking the mic tonight, which I'm happy about. Um, the Lord just put on my heart pretty clearly at the last meeting, um, Sue, Uncle Tim, and John Edward to speak. So we've got Sue tonight, Uncle Tim next week, and then John Edward after that. Beyond that, it's a mystery to me. Um, Chance, we're glad to have you, brother your blessing to us. Come up here for a second. We have our friend Chris in the house. Come here. This is a surprise. <laughs> Sneaky. Speaking of a blessing, uh, Krista came to us on the Adventure Serve grounds when we were in the cocoon. Uh, That's when I started to see her face pop up, and she stuck around. I mean, she she really came at the right time, you know, because uh, she had to stick around through that Kentucky winter, and um, I think the rest has been uh, not so bad. I've watched Krista persevere a lot, and uh, she has been all over the place recently? You want to tell them where you've been?
1: Uh, From January to July, I was in six countries and 19 states, so it's a lot of places. The countries uh, (laughs) might be the most interesting. I was in Jordan, um, in Cyprus, Greece, for like three days, in Dubai for a day, in Tajikistan for two weeks, in Turkey for a week. Oh, I was in Jordan for nine weeks, so hopped around a little bit.
0: So, you know, we've often said that, uh, dwelling ministries is a nomadic ministry. We have met all over the place. Um, in fact, we've, this is the longest place we've ever camped. We're, we've almost been here for three years, but, uh, we send out little nomads too. But this little group of nomads is, we're mighty. And this, uh, young, woman of God, is mighty. We're so glad you're here. You're such a special part of us. Thank you. Say something to Krista before uh, the night's over, too. All right. If you weren't here earlier, I want to call out again my parents from Pennsylvania through marriage, but they're God's second set of parents to me. Amazing people, Myron and Doreen Miller, the... Parents of Karis Miller Span. I like to shout out the, the Miller last name for Karis every now and again to honor my folks. Karis Hannah Miller Span. Miller Span. <clears throat> Gabriel. Dude. Your face here makes us all happy. Your face makes our faces better. Gabriel ran a 5K in 17 minutes and 26 seconds. What's that? This morning. Um, I'm just gonna say, as like a pretty hardcore athlete, that hurts to hear that. It actually hurts me to hear that. It would have hurt worse to watch it. And I would have, it would have hurt to the point of collapsing if I would have tried to pull it off. I always hated conditioning, long distance running. Ooh. So those who do it for like like a sport or you crazy ones who do it for pleasure, like I salute you. You're a different breed of human. All right. Um, let me have the kids come up here. Kids, come on. You are Sawin Culbertson. Cohen Culbertson. Very cool. The Pinner Priests are on their way. We have Zadok leading. Wait, we have Phineas leading, Zadok, being held by father. And Samuel the first. All right, guys. What am I holding right here? A tissue. Hmm? Blow your nose with it, right? Yeah. There's actually bathroom tissue too, but we're not going to talk about that right now, okay? Just stay focused. This is just a normal, everyday Now, you might not blow your nose every day unless you're dealing with a little bit of allergies or a nasty cold. But this is just a normal thing, right? Well, did you know God uses normal things to speak to us? He uses normal things to communicate messages. He used all kinds of normal things. In fact, his favorite normal thing to use Now, in God's eyes, we're not normal. We are abnormal. Yes. I can always count on you for affirmation, bro. I appreciate that. We are a peculiar people. Our lives are not normal. Our lives are very special, each one of us. But also, we all know, even if we're Coolbertsons, we all know that, yeah, we're just normal people. I like to call us here a band of misfits. But God wants to use us. In fact, you could be as weak and unexciting as this piece of tissue, although you guys definitely aren't. You're strong and you're very exciting. In fact, shout out to my daughter who was... um, Undefeated at school in arm wrestling, guys and girls. Knew <laughs> Davey would appreciate that. I was shocked when she told me that. I mean, I knew she was buff, but beating everybody. Okay, um, but even if you don't win arm wrestling contests and you're flimsy like this, God can use you. All right, that's the first thing I wanted to say. That even though we might feel weak. Even though we might get broken even though we might get hurt and torn God still uses us and he uses us to help other people who get torn and broken but I have one other point I want to make with this there was a guy named Samuel in the Bible and he was a prophet, or it calls him a seer. He saw what God was doing, and then he spoke about it. He heard what God said, and he spoke about it. Did you know that sometimes he heard God speak through people's clothes? What's. The, excuse me, did your t shirt say something? Uh, sir? Was your t shirt speaking? No? I thought I heard something. Wait a second. Did your shorts. T- uh, no, no, no. no. I, I thought I heard your shorts speaking. One time, Samuel, he heard God speaking through Saul's robe. Wait, sorry, excuse me. I almost got biblically inaccurate there. Actually, I did, but that's okay. We're weak, and we mess up. Samuel heard God speak through his robe. He was wearing a robe. And this is what happened. I need you to help me. Okay? Samuel spoke to Saul and said, Saul, you did not listen to the Lord. You did not listen to what he spoke through me. So there's going to be consequences. And Samuel turned to leave Saul You grab this tissue. Grab it. Oh! And Samuel saw that Saul ripped off his robe. And Samuel looked at that. Hey, you ripped my tunic. No, he didn't say, hey, you ripped my tunic. You know what he said? As soon as that happened, he heard the Lord speaking. He said, Just like you ripped my robe, God is going to rip the kingdom of Israel from your hands and give it to somebody else. So, my message for you is this He wants to use us, even if we're as flimsy as a tissue. And also, He wants to speak to us through all kinds of normal things, through your parents through t-shirts, through things that other people say, through the Bible. So, we are going to break it down, after I pray, we're going to break it down on God speaks through tissues. That's our longest one, okay? God speaks through tissues, okay? Yes. Alright, let me pray and then we'll speak... Father, thank you for humbling yourself and uh, just speaking to us here on planet Earth. You're so powerful, and big, grand, but you speak to us through such small things and you speak to us as small beings. Thank you for speaking to us. Would you help us uh, be like Samuel so that we could see your messages, we could hear your messages? And even when we we mess up, like when we think Eliab's the anointed one, um, Lord, let us hear your corrections. Lord, I bless each one of these kids, and I ask you to bless them with eyes and ears like never before seen on the earth. Amen. All right. Ready? We're going to put them in. Does anybody remember what we're breaking it down on? As we're listening, I am impressed. All right. God speaks through tissues on three. One, two, three. God speaks through tissues. Yeah. Good job, everybody. I especially appreciate the young ones under one or wait, right around one. Right around one. The eye contact was stellar. you so you gotta watch out for our babies. I mean their eyes are like They have, like, prophet eyes. They might be seeing into your soul, so be careful. Once they start to talk, they might start talking about what they're seeing. Karis is going to come give us announcements, and then Sue is going to preach. No announcements? John Edward and Gloria would love to be with us tonight. They're tending to their Zoe. It's been quite the transition for them. Imagine that. In your mid 20s, and a person comes into your house that needs a lot of things. So, uh, they wanted, in fact, John Edward wanted to be here for the prayer tonight, but uh, I guess Zoe had other plans. So, he's doing a great job teaming up with Gloria, who is also doing a phenomenal job. But, meal train, if anybody um, can join on to give them um, help in this time, that'd be awesome. All right, with no further ado, Let's welcome Sue Walling. Chris and Sue are just heavenly people. I always get excited to see them. You guys never get old. Speaking of never get old, like, Sue looks like she's maybe in her 30s. You have no idea how old she is. She has no idea how old she is. (laughs) No, I'm serious. She doesn't know her birthday. Karis asked her, like, this is like back in 2013, so like 10 years ago. She's like, Sue, what, what you know, how old are you? And she's like, I don't know, maybe 50. That's 10 years ago. You look up close to Sue, she's like drinking from the fountain of youth.
2: I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. I made fun to the mirrors and I said tough luck to them. They, can't, they didn't get to hear their son-in-law preach. So they just chose to come when I'm preaching. So, but I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And I love the Lord so, so much. And I love you. And uh, Jesus is Lord. I have realized in life, people have like kind of a topic that God gives them. Like when God calls people, this align that He gives them. Like kind of it, the people who speak about prosperity, it doesn't matter what scripture of the Bible they pick, they will somehow get back to that. Whatever it is that God gives you, somehow. Even if you try to get away from it, you'll find yourself going back there. And I have realized, like I said the last time that I stood here, my job is just to stoke the fire. I know the fire is there. I know the fire is, is, is on, but I feel like I just need to stoke the fire to keep it burning. And I have realized that uh, most of the time I tend to talk about prayer not because I'm the most prayerful person, it maybe just because the Lord wants me to pray and I don't do a good job about it, so every time he speaks to me, he, he pokes on it. So bear with me, He going back there. Uh, no matter how much I go to other scriptures, finally I find myself um, going back to prayer. So I wish to call tonight's message, the house of prayer, but I'm not very sure whether that's where we want to stick to. But um, I want us to read in the book of Isaiah. I don't know whether that's how you say it. You say Isaiah, Isaiah. <laughs> I worked with a the, with the lady. She was older and she had some health issues in her mind. And when she was younger, she used to be a speech therapist. <laughs> so whenever I would mispronounce anything, <laughs> She thought I was having an issue, so she was trying to teach me how, <laughs> how to speak English. So it was it was really tough because she would get frustrated and I would get frustrated because <laughs> she thought I'm recovering from some stroke, so she was really trying to help me say the words the way they're supposed to be said, and. uh so it, was, it wasn't easy, but the grace was sufficient. So if I say Isaiah or Isaiah, please bear with me. I want to read Isaiah 56, verse 7. Uh, the Bible says, Even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Even as we share your word tonight, we desire your presence, we desire your revelation, we desire your power and your move. Speak to our hearts, O God. Use my mouth, use my words. That I may be able to communicate to your heart to us tonight. We give you honor, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You have heard these words many times, because they were referred to, they are referred to in the book of I think all other all the, all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because when Jesus entered the temple and he found them selling doves and exchanging animals, he took a cord and he got them from the house and he said, my father's house should be called uh, don't you know that my ha- my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer and not for business. He was referring to these scriptures in Isaiah where Isaiah is saying that um, It will be a house of prayer for all people. And it it will be a place where all the sacrifices will be accepted. And if you read the book, if you read the whole chapter, you see uh, the kind of people that that Isaiah was talking about. They were people that would not have been accepted in the house of prayer, bringing sacrifices. But then he said, it shall be called the house of prayer for all people. This refers us to a place, but we are also houses of God, uh, houses of prayer, because the Spirit of God dwells in us, and He calls us. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. So you are a house. So when, I'm, when I, and I, and I want to say this first, that when I speak this, it's not to you, it's to me, and when I refer to priests. It will not be to the leaders of this ministry is to everyone because you have been called to be priests in the house of the Lord. So this is about every one of us. So we are also a house in ourselves because the Spirit of God dwells in us and the Holy Spirit and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we are that house. you are a house of prayer. So I don't know if there is any other business going on in your life other than prayer because you're supposed to be a house, of, a house of prayer. But prayer is, the, somebody said, prayer is one of the greatest, uh, it's the greatest power in the world and it's the most untapped power. People have tapped into nuclear power, have tapped into other types of power, but the church has not tapped into the power that is above every other power. Prayer is the only undefeatable power. All the other powers can be defeated by something. Kingdoms have come, powerful kings have come, they have been defeated, but prayer can never be defeated. The word of God says that men ought to pray and not to faint. I may sound like a broken record because I may say things that I've said in the past, but men ought to pray and not to faint. Prayer is the weapon we have in battle. It's our only weapon. It's the weapon that we need that can defeat the enemy. And the enemy knows he cannot defeat us if we pray. So what he does, he keeps us from praying. He will bring up any reason to keep you from praying. He will mess up your schedule. He will mess up your day. He will mess up with your mood. He will mess up with anything. He will mess up with your wife or your husband or your children so that you may be in a place whereby you cannot pray. Sometimes some disagreements that you find in the home, it's not because you cannot agree. It's because the enemy is fighting the place of prayer. He wants you to be so mad. That you feel, I cannot even pray. I've got to go to sleep. I've got to go to bed. I have to go down. All he is doing is to keep you from praying. So he may mess up you a day. He may mess up everything so that you do not pray. I believe that the, the church is a militant entity. We are a people of warfare, a people of war. Our strength comes from prayer. And we have to be equipped. The church being a militant, what I mean is, the word of God calls God a man of war. So we, he he cannot be the man of war, he cannot be the king of kings without an army. And an army cannot be an army if it's not a fighting army. So if we are an army of the Lord, then we are military people. So the church is supposed to be a military entity. But the enemy wants us to think we're supposed to be this kind of cool people that do not fight with anybody or with anything. We want to leave the devil alone so that he may leave us alone. But that cannot be happening. We are supposed to be militants. Every day of our life that we we wake up, we should be a people that makes the devil think, um, oh, and to me, they have woken up another day. Because he knows when we are awake, he is in trouble. The word of God uh, says, we got to fight the war. We have to fight with God so that we may win. And already we have gotten the victory, but we have to start in our, in our place. The word of God says put on the whole armor of God and then start. Army people do not, they got to obey orders. They got to do what they are told. They have to be, these are where they live. They don't live like other citizens. They don't go where they want to go. They don't do what they want to do. supposed to be where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be there you cannot be in the army and do your own thing you cannot be in the army and you're planting corn you got to be in the barracks you got to be where the army is and we are an army of the lord so we got to be where god wants us to be and that is being a house of prayer for us to win the battle the the, the 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 good thing about prayer is that prayer has no limit. A big person can pray, a small person can pray, old and young can pray, rich and poor can pray, known and unknown can pray, educated and uneducated can pray. Everybody qualifies to be a house of prayer and to pray because when you say yes to Jesus, you sign, you enroll in the army. So prayer has no limit. You you qualify to pray. And I want us to read in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2 and verse 17. The Bible says, let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep Between the porch and the altar, and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Therefore should they say among the people, where is their God? If we do not pray, the world will ask, where is their God? Because we are supposed to be the strongest army. We are supposed to be victorious. But when the world does not see the victory that we are supposed to be having or showing, then they will be wondering where is their God? The the church must win strategic battles for the Lord. The church cannot be defeated because the word of God says that the gates of hell shall not prevail. So now I have come from talking about a house. Now I'm in the church, and we are the church of Jesus Christ as an individual, as a group of people. So the, us as, a, as, as the body of Christ, we cannot be defeated. So every day you wake up, look the devil in the eye, and tell him, you cannot defeat me. You should be, he should, he should be, he is already scared of you, but he makes you not think that he is scared of you so make sure you remind him that he cannot defeat you you are uh, you are you cannot be defeated because god jesus has already said that that the gates of hell cannot prevail nothing hell ha, um nothing there is nothing that hell can produce that can defeat the church there is no strategy there is nothing new that the devil that hell can come up with that can defeat the church because already the battle has been won The church is the most powerful entity on the planet Earth, and prayer is the most powerful force. So we are the most powerful entity on planet Earth. And prayer is the most powerful force that there is. If we we realize who we are and we know what we can do through prayer, then we will pray. When the church is on the move, when we pray, then we are on a move on the move for God. Then we are sober, we are unshakable, we are unequaled, we are unwavering, we are we cannot be destroyed. All we need to do, brethren, is to realize who we are in Christ Jesus. The enemy has tried for so long to show the weaknesses of the church. And you know. The church is so strong because if you see, if you look at the world today, all they are doing is trying to fight the church. Whether they talk of gender identity, you know it's about the church. Whatever it is that they are saying, whatever it is that they are doing, you can tell it's all targeted to the church because they know it's the greatest and the most powerful entity that there is. But the people ask who are the church and who are in the church, we don't seem to realize who we are and what we can do. They are so scared that they are coming up with strategies, trying to twist laws and things to say so that we are are found in the wrong because they know what we stand for. They know what we are. And then we cower down, not realizing they cannot destroy us. There is nothing they can do that can destroy us as the church. The church is the only thing that can stop the world from going to hell. We are the answer. We are the only people who can stop the world from destruction. But the enemy wants us to be engaged in other things. I'll keep about talking about the enemy because I said we are an army. And there is no army that is set when there are no enemies to fight. If there were no enemies to be fought, there wouldn't be an army in America. But we know. We know they are planning in Middle East. We know they are planning someplace. So before they attack, the army is already set. So even before the enemy attacks you, you should already be set in your place and studying because you know you have an enemy. The church, I said the church is... We, we are the church that can, that is going to stop the world from going to hell. But this church, in order to accomplish that, it has to be on fire. It has to be full of the Holy Spirit. It has to be revived, and it has to be winning souls. This can only be achieved through prayer. We can only be on fire for God through prayer, and that's why I said I'm just talking the fire. I know the fire is there, but I, like I said the last time, when you are. When you go to a fall is coming, we will be having fires out there. You have to stop the fire to keep it going. Somebody has to wait to start up, go to the fire, stop it, add more wood so that the fire can continue. So I know we have the fire, but I'm just, talking the, uh, I'm just talking so that we can add more wood so that we can win souls for Christ, so that we can stay revived, so that we can be full of the Holy Spirit. God is looking for a people who understands the times, and who will seek his face continually so that he can intervene in the affairs of the church, of the community, of the world, and of the family, and the individuals in response to our supplications. God is looking for a person who will understand the times that we are living in. Most of the times, the church don't seem, and when I say the church, I don't mean this church, I mean the church everywhere the the church at large the church doesn't seem to understand the times that we are living in because if the church understood the times we wouldn't be fighting with one another we wouldn't be the discussion would be not would not be about small issues, about beliefs, about things that we think doctrines that wouldn't be an issue we would be on the same side, facing the enemy. It doesn't matter whether they, they, it is police, or it is Navy, or it is Air Force. They all know they are on the same side, fighting the same enemies. It doesn't matter where, which, which part of which, what we believe in, we should be on the same side, fighting the enemy. So, God is looking for a person for a people, for a community, for an individual who will understand the times so that they can seek him continually so that he can answer. You know, God says, knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find." So we got to be doing those things for God to move. We, God's heart cannot move until the church prays. God cannot do anything until we pray because the word of God says pray without ceasing. We have to be proactive. We have to engage with God so that God can be able to do what he's supposed to be doing. You we have to have a heart like the heart of God. or Like the Bible says that Jesus prayed. He would wake up early in the morning before dawn to go pray. If Jesus, who was the son of God, prayed, what about us? If he sought, if he waited, if he tarried to hear what the father had what the father had to say, and he did that every day. What about us? You know, we have been called to be witnesses. A witness is somebody who was there when the thing happened. If you weren't there and you go to a court, sometimes I happen to go to court, and I sit there, I'm I'm just watching things happen. And if somebody wasn't there, they call it hearsay. Unfortunately, most of us, we operate on hearsay. We have heard We haven't experienced anything. We cannot tell a sinner of what God can do because we have no experience. We weren't there. We haven't. We we don't have that. We haven't seen it. We have been called to be witnesses. And we got to witness what God is able to do. And the only way for God to do what he can do, we got to engage with him so that he can heal. And we see it. And then we can witness that God heals. It is okay to, to tell us the stories that we have led. I read, I listen to preachers, and I hear the stories, and I get excited, and I can retell them. But I also need to have seen, to have, to have witnessed, so that I can, t- I can have a testimony, because I've been called to be a witness. The only reason why I cannot be a witness is because I'm not engaging him so that he can do what he's supposed to be doing. We pray without expectation. A lot of believers, when we pray for the sick, we expect he will hear them, not now. So we, even when we are praying, we don't expect to see it happening. So we, 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 we we are, and I, like I said the last time, we already have words to apologize. Like, it, it might hap, it might happen now, or it might happen later. Some healing take like 10 days, because we already, we, we, we already, the enemy has already put us in a place whereby we don't think we have it. But I want to encourage us tonight, that we should pray with expectation, because the Holy Spirit that is in us is the one that was in Christ Jesus. When he filled us, he filled us with the same Holy Spirit. When Nehemiah heard about what had happened in Jerusalem, the word of God says he wept. He prayed and he fasted. When you hear about things, when you hear what is happening in the world, when you hear about tragedies, when you see what is happening in your families, what do you do? Do you weep? Do you pray? Do you fast? Or do you just wait for how things will turn out? Nehemiah would have just stayed, but he decided to take action. He first sought the Lord, he waited on the Lord, and God moved him, and he had favor before the the king. God is looking for a man who will catch his vision and his passion and share his burden. If we catch the vision of God, if we catch the passion of Christ, if we share the burden of God, we will do what God has called us to do. Jesus was so passionate that even though he knew he was going to be crucified, he still went on. He was so passionate about the people. He was so passionate about the souls of men. And God, God's vision is the, his love for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. He, was, he loved us so much. And his vision for the world is that every man should be saved. And when we catch that vision that every sinner you see, sometimes when I watch news and I listen to people, there are things, there are people or things you hear and you're so you hear about Putney and you're like, what can we do to get him out of here? But I just sit myself down and say, For God so loved Putney <laughs> that he gave Jesus. Other, other than that, you may not be able to pray. And I'm just giving him as an example. There are people that do evil things and you feel like <laughs> you don't want them there. But when you think like Christ, that he died for that particular person, as evil as they are, as unjust as they are, even though they have, may have done you injustice, you say, for God so loved that person, that then you can be able to pray for them. If you do not catch the vision of of God, then you'll be disconnected with what God is doing. Because all God does on earth is about bringing souls to himself. So if you miss to catch that vision, not have that passion, then you will be disconnected. You will watch things happen. You will hear of revivals. You will be excited that something is happening. But you will not be able to engage in it. But if you catch the vision, you will wake up in the night. Even though it is more comfortable to stay in bed. The vision, the passion will move you from bed to the place of prayer. So that you can work with God and so that you can hear God like Jesus did. So that you can do what God is doing. I have heard, I didn't read it, but I have heard people say this, so those who uh, who know better can correct me if I'm wrong, but they say, John Wesley said, you only have one business on earth, and that is to save souls. That is our only business on earth. We have been spared so that we can bring the souls of men to Christ. We ought to affect our communities, our cities, our world, like we have never have, And the only way we can do this is by having the passion of Christ. It must consume us and overwhelm us. And I want to say this, we have the potential to influence the world because the gates of hell cannot prevail. When God called you, when God created you and called you into the kingdom, in you, he has put the potential To influence the world for Christ. There could be temporary situations that indicate otherwise. There are situations that sometimes indicate that we are not that powerful church. That we are not that powerful men and women of God. Because maybe sometimes you are going through something. Maybe sometimes things are not working. Maybe you prayed and it didn't happen. You waited and you didn't see it. And I call them temporary situations. But the thing is, we have read the final chapter of the book. And the final chapter says, we are overcomers. We already know the ending. So no matter what the temporary situation is right now, you, have already, you already know the ending of the matter. And the ending of, of the matter is, that the enemy will not prevail. When we understand that, then we can approach everything as victors. We can, we, can, we can walk as conquerors. We can reject everything that speaks the opposite of what God says. You know, sometimes people are more, or we are more influenced by what other people say or think or what we read other than what the word of God says. Because when God says we are more than conquerors, then why should we even be suffering from a panic attack? And I'm saying this because sometimes you know, things that happen and you panic and you're like, your heart is racing and you really don't even know what to do. You've got to realize you are more than a conqueror. We've got to denounce the voices that say the opposite of what God said, has said about us. God has said we are more than conquerors. When the, the voice of disease says you are sick, you got to denounce that and say, by his stripes, I am healed. I appreciate doctors. And I thank you <laughs> that you have been doing that. And I appreciate the work they do. But sometimes when I get there, I, I'm waiting to hear what they will say so that I can quote what the word of God says. And I and I tell people, You you go get it. I tell my sister, go hear what what did the doctor say so that I can know what to attack. Because this word has already spoken. This word, it's good to know which 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 demon I'm I'm fighting. But what they will say will not determine what I will believe. They will say they will say it and I will know that's the truth. Of what they are saying, but I know what the word of God says about me. We got to put down every thought and every imagination that is against what the word of God says. We have to learn not to live beneath our privilege. What do I mean by that? As sons of God, we have privileges. When I became an American citizen, you know, you you have grown. Most of you as Americans, so you, you really don't kind of forget your privileges because you have grown with them when I had to study all the civics and history, I got to know when America got her independence, I got to know to learn about civil war and poor Chris had to endure that I'm telling him you got to tell me he, he has to read the questions and he has the answers and i 'm trying to answer. And, he had to go through that so that I could become a citizen. So when I went for the ceremony, they told me my privileges. They told me one of the privileges is that I can vote. Yeah. <laughs> you take it for granted because you have grown with it. You are like, I'm not going to vote. Now I know. That's, it's a privilege. When I came here, no matter how I felt about anything, I couldn't vote. But one of the privileges that I gained was voting. So when we have bad leadership, I contribute by not voting if I don't if I don't vote right. So we there are privileges that Americans have. Like for example, if we went to Africa and when we are there something happens, and maybe we are in Kenya and they need to evacuate the Americans. Don't you imagine I'll be left in Kenya? I'll be coming to America because I am an American. If I am left there to suffer with them, that would be my choice. Because I have already known one of the privileges of being an American is that they can come to rescue you. If anything happens here, if I wasn't an American, I'm Kenyan, and anything happened to me here, don't you imagine that Kenyan government is coming here to look for me? No. No. But if anything happens to me, if I'm in Kenya, the American government will come looking for me. That's a privilege of being an American. We have privileges as children of God. And most of the times we live beneath our privileges. One of the privileges we have is that by his stripes, we are healed. We live with sickness and disease and suffering. Because we don't realize it's a privilege that we can go. He has given us the power of attorney that whatever we shall ask in his name, we shall receive. So when we go to him, we have no expectation. Even we we don't use that name like we have the power of attorney. It's like we are waiting for somebody else to bring it. But if we know that is a privilege that we have as children of God, we will not agree to live beneath it. We will live within our privileges. We will approach the throne of mercy with confidence. We will tell him, Father, this is what I need. And then we can receive it because he is our father. Everything we do counts. We have nothing to waste. We are here to snatch people from hell. The word of God in the book of Romans 8.22 says the creation is groaning. And my question is, where is the groaning in the house of the Lord? I said, we are houses of prayer. Where is the groaning? As the creation is groaning, waiting the sons of God. Where is the groaning in the house of God? Where is the weeping in the house of God? We are having it easy because we got a few dollars, we got a few, we have our cards. It's hard to sleep hungry in America because even though you may not have the dollars in your pocket, you have the cards, you can buy something. But there are people who don't have that. So my question is, where is the groaning? In the church like I said earlier Nehemiah prayed and he cried and I read the scripture in the in in uh, in Joel that let there be let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar where is the weeping we are ministers because that's what the word of God says, that we are loyal priesthood. We are ministers of the gospel. Where is the weeping between the porch and the altar? We are called to be a people of prayer. I know men and women weep differently. Women approach, even when we approach the throne, we approach from our emotional side. So we can cry more than men can cry. But I'm not just talking about physical tears. It's the groaning from the hearts of men for the hearts that are lost. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah, when they went to build, he built and they had the weapons in their hands. So he was ready to pray and he was ready to fight. So we got to be Weeping warriors. We will know how to pray. We will know how to stand between the porch and the altar. And cry and wait. And then we will know how to go out and engage with the enemy. But we cannot just engage with the enemy if we cannot weep. If we cannot tarry. If we cannot wait. If we cannot hear from God. We cannot just be able to go out. I have been some places where there has been some demonic manifestations and I and I I don't mean it's not pleasant sometimes it's very scary and if you if you, and this is the reality if you have not been praying and walking with God and you know you are there when the demons manifest you will take a back step and wait for somebody else to go and get all right. I'll be like, Davy, you got to it. <laughs> because you know it, it, this is not a joke. <laughs> because if the devils don't go, people will know that demons didn't go. <laughs> if the demons leave, then we will know they have left. So you you cannot, you cannot pretend. There's no pretext in this one. We got to be able to come out to fight the enemy we have to be prepared in and out of season so we have to be fully wearing our armor and in order to do this we have to have the power of god we cannot have the power of god when we are out in the field we have to know how to stay in the place of prayer so that we can get that power, so that even when the demons show up, we will be able to cast them without fear or worry, with the expectation that they will obey, we got to stay in the place of prayer, so that we can be equipped, so that we can have all that God wants us to have. That power is beyond just speaking in tongues. I thank God I speak in tongues and I love it. Because it's the only time, it's it's the only thing that I don't mess up. I can mess up in English, I can mess up in the other languages. That's the only language that I don't mess up because it's not from the head, it's from the heart. So it's, I love it. But the power is beyond speaking in tongues. There has to be something else. Sometimes, the other day, not long ago, I was listening to a preacher who is long gone, but he was here. He he lived here in America. He, he he was here, and he one time he wanted to know what else can I do for God to use me. He would look at the sick. He would have a heart for the people who were sick, and he wanted the more of God. So he says he waited. He would go to the closet. I know maybe you have heard the story. And he, like, you know the older people, they would, how the Bible says, go to the place, the closet for prayer. So he would literally go into a closet and close the door. He had a wife and and one kid. And he would say, I will not come out until I've met with God. Then he would go in there and close the door. And then after some time, he would smell the cooking. And he would come out and the wife sympathetically look at him and say, it's okay. I understand. And then he would, his heart wanted God so much that he asked God, what can I do? And God told him, do you love me more than you love food? So one time, he had gone in and the wife was making some roast beef or something that was really smelling nice and he came and he sat down And the wife looked at him and she served him. And he took one bite. And God said, do you love me more than you love the food? He didn't swallow the food. He he, he spit the food, went back into the closet. And this time he told the wife, lock me in, close me in. I'm not coming out until I meet with God. So the wife thought it would just be like usual. So he went in, the wife closed. And he doesn't want to say how many days he's stayed here because he knows people who might want to say to, to stay the same amount of days that he stayed. But he stayed there until God came in. He didn't carry a pen. He didn't carry, he, he didn't carry a book. So he didn't know what, how God will show up. So when he was there, at one point, he saw a light come in. He thought the wife had opened the door. But then he realized, oh, it's not the door that is open. So God came in. And God started speaking to him and he told him, I think there are 13 things that he told him. And so he, God spoke and he was like, God, please slow down. I need, to, I need to get all this. So he had a, a pencil that was not sharpened. So he used his teeth to sharpen the pencil and he started, he was lying on a cardboard. So he started writing on the cardboard. So he wrote the things that God told him. And I'm, I'm walking, and I'm listening to this. I'm walking in Wilmore, listening to this. And I'm like, God, I want you. I want you. But I'm like, am I able to wait and to tarry until he shows up? Because we have to be ready to pay the cost. Each one of us is capable to be so full of God, to do miracles. It's only that. We are not telling. We don't wait. The, there are so many things calling us out there. I will tell you I want to wait. And sometimes I tell myself, from this day to this day, I'll be fasting. And I'm like, when the day comes, I'm like, tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. I think today, because I have to go to do this and this, I think I'll start tomorrow so that I can go up to this day. Because the enemy does not want us to tally. Because if we tally, God will feed us. And we will be able to change our families. We'll be able to change Wilma. We'll be able to change Jessamine County. We'll be able to affect Kentucky. So what he does is to keep us busy. It's like you think there are special kind of men and women that can be used of God, but not you. You think there is, you 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 know those preachers. You think that's the kind of that God uses. Tonight I want to tell you you are the kind of a person that God wants to use. If only Sue can wait and tally, she can see the manifestation of God in her life. And even in her family. But Sue does not wait and tally. Because there are many things that are drawing, there are many things that are pulling us. So Nehemiah wept. He went to build. And he was armed. Somebody said, and I quote them, and I, this is after I have said this, that we need the power. And I said, the power is beyond the tanks. So this person says, do not mistake the bucket for the water. You got to have water in the bucket. What does that mean? Because I speak in tongues, it doesn't mean I have the power of God. So I should not mistake the bucket for the water. There has to be power in us, in our lives. A power that can tell the bride you can see. Receive your sight and the bride sees. A power that can tell the lame, start and walk. We can say like the apostles, silver and gold we don't have, but what we have, we are going to give to you. In the name of Jesus, Stand and walk. The same Holy Spirit they had, we have him. So we got to have the power. And we got to wait as dwelling. We cannot be like this forever. We got to get it. We got to affect Wilmore. Wilmore got to know that Sue lives in Wilmore. The devil got to know that I am his nightmare. When he sees me, he got to know I, I'm trouble. Because every sinner that I come across, I will tell them whether they, le- they receive it or not. I'm so passionate with the passion of God that I will tell them no matter what. Acts eight says, when you receive the power, it will make you a witness. So when we have the power, we will witness. We will go out. We will tell them. We will make sure the world knows about Jesus. The disciples believed it until they died for it. The pretext of the ministry in our lives is vision. And the vision is the vision of God and the power. And we can only attain that. Those two are born and maintained in prayer. Prayer helps to fulfill the purposes of God on earth. Because how would we know what God wants or what God is doing if we do not pray? Jesus said, my food is doing the will of the Father. So every morning he would seek to know the will of the Father for that particular day. How will we know what God is doing if we do not pray? If there is no prayer, there will be no manifestations of God in our midst East. We should be weeping and praying that God is not manifested in our lives, in this place that we live. We sh- there should be weeping, there should be tears, crying, because we see and we have seen how the church has tried to manipulate the power of God and exchanging and lying to people and pretending that they have it when they don't have it. We should be weeping and praying because we know that what what the church has been showing is not it. We should be grieved by what grieves the heart of God. I'll be done in a minute. All that God has and all that God is can be received through prayer. Prayer is essential for God's will to be done in your life, in your family, in your church, in your community, in your nation, and on planet Earth. Everything you need to fulfill your purpose on Earth is available through prayer. Anything that I need To do what God created me to do is available if I pray. If you miss your purpose or not, it's because you never prayed. You never waited. Prayer moves the heart of God, the heart that rules the universe. And he's calling us to where we have never been before. God wants us to go. I remember preaching and saying we need to go a little bit higher. God is calling us to that place. There is no spiritual blessing Ever enjoyed that cannot be yours. There is no spiritual blessing, no, no spiritual blessing that is in the world that is everywhere that can, we cannot have. We have to stop uh, we have to stop living beneath our privileges. <clears throat> All what God says in His word is ours. All those promises are ours we got to stop living beneath that. We have to make up our minds that we cannot stop. We have to move on. We cannot stay here, no matter how good it is. I know we are at a good place, but we cannot remain here. we got to go higher. we got to move higher. Someone said, we cannot decide if we live or die, we can decide what we live for and what we die for. God has provided every man and woman needed for every generation. You are the man and woman for this generation, for your generation. Every man, every woman needed to affect us for this time that, that we are living in is there. And you are that man, you are that woman. When the end comes, will anybody say, or when people look at me, can anyone say, I wish I have what you got? I desire to have your kind of anointing. Can anyone say that they want to imitate you? Can anybody want to walk in your steps? Can anybody want to get what you got? You answer you, you those questions. Can anyone say that I desire to be like you? I want to walk with God the way you have walked with God. I know each one of us. We know we're not where we're supposed to be. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want more. So can we all agree and make up our minds? that we will stay in the place of prayer until we become what God wants us to become. Shall we pray? Jesus, we call on your name, the name that is above every other name. We thank you that you are calling us to a place of prayer, a place where we can commune with you, a place where we can hear you better We thank you that you want to use us. Tonight, I pray that you will help each one of us that have listened. I included that you help me to come to that place where you are calling us. To tally and wait. So that you can equip me. So that I can get what you have for me. So that I can affect this generation. I ask that God, the passion, the vision, your burden, will overwhelm us so that we can be effective. So that when the end comes and we desire that you will say, well done, we will surely have done it. So equip us, Lord, help us, Lord, so that we can be what you want us to be. We know you got it, Lord, but we desire your help so that we can wait until you come. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen, Sister Sue. As she was finishing up, I, <clears throat> I felt in my heart to join with what she said every one of us as Sue said we are houses of prayer and my my personal um, request my prayer to God about that maybe you can relate was teach me how to pray Um, so may God teach us how to pray Um, and then secondly teach me how to be a house of prayer. Um, if we talk about how we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which the biblical uh, writers described, the temple didn't work hard. It just existed. It, it was. Lord, teach us how to be your temple, you know? And then uh, I think these all relate. The first uh, thing is, Lord, help us receive your table turning. Help us say yes to cleaning out the temple, to the way we've been mistreating the dove, the Holy Spirit. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I, I think, well, I'll say personally, I think my temple needs to be cleaned. Um, so uh, may God give us grace because Jesus already wants to come in and clean out the temple. Um, May God give us grace. May God help me say, Yes, Lord. All right. Nicholas, come up here for a second. Um, We're the body of Christ, and I think this is very appropriate considering what Sue just said.
3: Yeah. Um, I, uh, most of you already know that I'm engaged. Um, I, Proposed, and her name is Erica. She's been here a couple of times, but she's really not been in a super great place lately. She's just really been struggling with a lot of um, emotional and spiritual things lately. Um, And she's asked me to uh, come before you all and to present it and ask for prayer. She said that it wouldn't be helpful to her if people reached out, but she just really requested that I step up here and um, uh, to tell people. That she's, yeah, that she's just really struggling, even up to the point of struggling with like, um, like thoughts of death and that sort of thing. Um, just, um, but she's asked me to uh, come up here and to request prayer, and I also wanted to. And I also just wanted to make a confession that I've been um, rebellious and disobedient in my walk with God lately. Um, and yeah, I just I'm repenting publicly in the space.
0: We forgive you, bro. Stay right here for a second. And Debbie, would you come up here and pray for Erica? We're just gonna. In the meeting like this, um, agreeing with um, what Aunt Debbie prays on behalf of our sister, Erica. And as Sue was speaking about, prayer is our weapon. We are an army. And so may the Deborah warrior spirit be uh, on you and on us as you pray for Erica.
1: Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you called yourself Father. We know that you are a father to Erica and that you have planned beautiful things for her life. And we just (laughs) come up against the enemy who is lying, stealing, destroying, but we know that you have given us the power through what Jesus has done to come up against this in Jesus' name. So we plead the blood of Jesus over Erica, and we declare your words over her, that she is a beautiful child of God, that her life was planned and not a mistake, that she is blessed by you, and that she will do everything that you have planned for her, And we just claim victory over her. We just speak victory in Jesus' name. We just speak victory, Lord. You are the God of light and of love and of power and a sound mind. Lord, we just claim a sound mind. We take captive every thought that comes against who Jesus is. We just take that captive in Erica's mind, Lord, and we just bless her with every blessing, every spiritual blessing. Lord, may she feel your presence right now. May she just feel you pouring your love over her. Just lifting her up, wrapping her up in arms that she may never have felt in her physical life. May she feel the love of a father. And We pray this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Well, may God give us grace to be His houses of prayer. You'll have a good night, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week, and hopefully in between.